the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Luke is written so that we might know we have a reliable faith. The events written about in the book were eyewitness accounts that Luke researched and wrote down for all to see. We have seen Jesus perform all kinds of miracles, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, causing the blind to see and the lame to walk. Jesus went out teaching the kingdom of God, calling all men to repent. The scribes and Pharisees hated him and wanted him dead. Jesus healed a Roman centurion's servant and raised a widow's son back to life. John the Baptist was imprisoned for sharing the truth about Herod's immoral marriage. He sent messengers to Jesus to share his doubts and disappointments. Jesus sent the messengers back with the news that the blind see, the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed. The Messiah is here indeed. Jesus then turned to the crowd listening and shared that John was no ordinary teacher. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 7, verse 26. Was John just a preacher? No, he was more than a preacher. Look at verse 26. But, in contrast to someone in Herod's court who kissed the king's ring, he says, what did you go out for to see? A prophet? Yes, John was a prophet. He was someone who spoke for God. But Jesus goes on to say that John was in a class of one when it came to what kind of prophet he was. He says, I say unto you, he was much more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, and then he quotes Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare your way before you. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow. I would think that's a pretty ringing endorsement, wouldn't you? John had claimed to be this messenger, as mentioned in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, when the religious leaders came to him and said, by what authority do you do this stuff? Are you the Messiah? No. Are you that prophet? They thought this prophet was coming like Moses, not knowing that was also a reference to the Messiah. He says, no, I'm not that. Were you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. My name is John. Well, who are you? And he quoted Isaiah chapter uh, 40, verse 3, I'm the voice of him who cries in the wilderness, make straight paths for the Lord. Get ready for the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom is near. Jesus confirms that who John claimed he was is who he was. He was chosen to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And for his faithfulness to that task, he says, don't think of the guy who's struggling right now. You need to know him as the greatest prophet to ever live. The greatest prophet to ever live. Now, that should put an end to any mumbling about John, right? Any critiquing, any grumbling about him. And yet, Jesus has one last thing to say before he stops talking here. He says, but, and this is mind-blowing, this is something his followers need to learn, and it's mind-blowing to us, 
But even though John's the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, he that is, is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. What does that mean? Well, least means comparatively little. Like if I were to compare my life to John the Baptist, well, I didn't introduce the Messiah, you know. I didn't bring tons of people in the nation back to the Lord. And I think of Elijah or Moses, I didn't do the things they've done. If you were to look at my accomplishments and, and their accomplishments, I would be comparatively little. But he says, those who are comparatively little in the kingdom of heaven, they're greater than John. Wait a second. Isn't that a contradiction, Jesus? You just said he's the greatest, but we're greater. How is that possible? Well, turn over to Matthew 11 because Matthew gives us everything Jesus said. Luke doesn't. Because a statement like that, remember Matthew's writing to Jewish people, they need to understand something because he's the greatest, but those who follow you are greater? How is that possible? Matthew 11, verse 11 is that statement. So then look at verse 12, what Jesus said next. He says in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now. So something closed with John the Baptist and started with Jesus and are, is in effect now. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, well, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until who? Something ends with John. Something new starts with Jesus. So John, if he's the greatest of the Old Testament, but that's come to an end, then he's the mountaintop of the Old Testament as he closes it out. And he ushers in now Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, a better covenant, a better deal. And those who follow Jesus have a better standing than John could have. All those who come after John and follow Christ, they are brought near to God in a way no Old Testament believer could experience. They're brought right into the Holy of Holies through, the, through Jesus' blood and can stay there permanently. Isn't that awesome? So even though I may not have done as much as John the Baptist or as Moses or as anybody else, I can be closer to the Lord because of what Christ has done for me. And that makes me a more privileged follower. Now, they're, of course, with the Lord now, so they're good. But the idea is here in this life, we have a greater closeness to the Lord than they could have ever had in the Old Testament. So while we should see John as great, we shouldn't be critical of him. He's the past. So are Moses, David, and Abraham. So we stand on what they taught, we learn from them, but we look to Jesus now. You know, if we were to go into the restaurant, come to sit down, and someone comes to us and says, hey, uh, that guy over there would like to sit with you. Who's that? Well, that's Jesus, the creator of the universe. He would love for you to come sit with him. He wants to buy you dinner. Ah, that's nice, but I'm waiting for Moses. No, man, you're jumping over to that table. He likes Moses too, invite him over. But the idea is, is that why would you settle for Moses when Jesus is calling? In Hebrews chapter one, the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish believers, Jewish Christians who were thinking about ditching Jesus and going back to the law because it was too hard with all the persecution they were going through. And so in Hebrews chapter one, the writer to Hebrews, he starts off his letter by saying this, God, who at sundry times, which means at different points of history, and in diverse manners, which means in many different ways, he sent many different people. He spoke in time past unto the forefathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom he also made the worlds. Jesus is who we're to follow. There's nothing left for you back there. Nothing. So he says, continue on, persevere, be faithful. 
When Jesus talks about how great John is, how do the people respond? Well, some respond the right way, but others are still critical of John. Look at the ones who responded rightly. It says, and all the people that heard him, in other words, they were really listening to Jesus, really followers, and the publicans, so these are the sinners, left that life behind, but that's who they were identified as still. What did they do? They justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. So these are folks who had been disobedient to the Lord, doing their own thing, but John came and preached, and they gave their, they repented. They got baptized, turned their lives over to the Lord, and now when he said, hey, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, they started following Jesus. So as they're listening to Jesus talk about John, they're going, you know what? They justified God. It means they de- to declare that God was right. They said, you know what? You're right, Jesus. God sent John to us, and he taught us that we needed to repent and find a new life with God. And he was faithful in that. So Jesus, we're not going to be critical. We're thankful for John. It's easy to critique someone in their weakest moment, isn't it? Like how many of you here have never had a weak moment? Some of you are having a weak moment right now. (laughs) Because you're not, you know, you're thinking, I hate this guy. Or maybe somebody else here, or maybe somebody else in in your work environment, or your, your life, maybe a family member, and it's not your best moment. Hey, is that how you want to be remembered? <laughs> Certainly not. Or is that how you want people to view you or treat you? Certainly not. It's much better to look to the Lord and to see his faithfulness in someone's life. Those who really took Jesus' words, they did that. They humbled themselves and said, you know what? John did good. I was messed up before he, he got involved in my life. Lord, you called him to get me back on track, and he did. So even though he's struggling right now, I'm going to glorify God for that instead of think ill of John and be critical of him. God help us to be like that instead of the religious leaders who look at what they did in verse 30. It says, but the Pharisees and the lawyers, they rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized by him. In other words, these were a group of people who rejected God's plans and God's purposes for them. They did not recognize the validity of John's ministry and didn't get baptized because they didn't want God's plan for their life. The religious leaders, when John got in prison, they saw that as vindication for them. He's not a good man. He's not a prophet from God. If he was, he wouldn't be in jail because God doesn't do that to his prophets like they don't know their own history. But they felt that way because they rejected God's plan. They didn't get baptized by John. They didn't repent. Now, here's the sad part. These men had the opportunity to be the leaders who turned the keys over to the Messiah. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, you're praying, God, send your Messiah. God, send your Messiah. God, send your Messiah. And then he comes and they're like, ah, no. I kind of thought, like, Messiah would kind of, like, I would be in charge, and the Messiah would kind of be my right-hand man. I'm not giving up the keys to this this little kingdom here. Same thing that Pharaoh experienced. God said, for this very purpose I raised you up, to be the one that would bring glory to my name, to let my people go into the promised land, and you resisted me. Well, I'm going to get glory either way. And so he had to destroy him. These guys had the opportunity to do that. That was God's plan for their life. That was the race set before them, but they refused to give up that privilege and power. Now, here's what's sad. They weren't facing prison like John. Like God, the race for their life wasn't, hey, you're gonna go to prison and be beheaded for your faith. God didn't ask them to do a hard thing. Turn the keys over to my son. That's all he asked them. But they snubbed God. Now, here's John facing death. And Jesus says, finish the race, man. Finish the race well. And John does. That's what makes John the Baptist greater than these guys, (laughs) greater than so many others, because he took God's plan for his life and he ran with it. That leaves us with a really important question. 
Because I don't know what race God has you on. You know, I had know why God didn't make me Stephen because I probably wouldn't have handled Stephen's calling very well. <laughs> but you know what's amazing? Stephen, I said earlier, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is the testimony of Paul? It has to come from Paul because he's the only one who could say it. What was the testimony of Paul as Stephen was dying? That his face looked like the face of an angel. How is that possible while you're being stoned? Because it says he looked up. And who did he see? He saw the Lord's joy, him standing at the right hand of the Father, waiting to welcome him into heaven. And that gave him the strength to take those stones until he breathed his last, to finish his race well, even though it was a short race, even though it was a sprint. These guys, they didn't embrace God's plan for them. So what about you? Are you embracing the race that God set you on? Or are you holding on to what you have still? Now, in verse 31, that could have been the end of it, but Jesus has to address those who are still critical, being critical of John. And verse 31, he says, the Lord said, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? To what are they like? They're like unto children sitting in the marketplace. And they're calling one to another saying, we have piped unto you, but you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. The Agora, the Roman market, was this big, huge open area with lots of buildings and whatever. And it was usually what we think of when we think of like the the city marketplace. But in the Middle East, it's not that way. In the Middle East, they had these long streets and kind of skinny. And on both sides, you would have booths with just goods and wares. And the idea is, is you can't ignore the people as you're walking down the street because they're calling out their wares and you've got to either say no or you've got to buy something. I don't want a no pressure experience. You know, don't ever come to Israel and go to the shuk with us because when you go down there, they're going to be putting stuff right in your face. But that's how it was. It was common in that atmosphere to have kids running up and down playing while the families shopped or worked. So the picture that Jesus paints here is here you have one group of kids and they see these other group of kids and they're trying to get the other group to play with them. So first they pretend, it says they piped unto you. The word there means to play the flute at a wedding. So they they pretended that there was a wedding with a a big march and lots of dancing around, but the second group just kind of sat there and did this. We don't want to do that. I said, oh, they're kind of grumpy. Maybe Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they got grounded from the Xbox, you know? You know, the Xbox BC. Right? So they said, well, maybe they're sad. Let's pretend it's a funeral. Maybe that'll get their spirits up. We'll, we'll have some fun with that. So they played a dirge. That's what it means. We have mourned and you have not wept. You know, we'll, they'll, we'll play a dirge and then we'll, we'll wail and moan like a, a funeral's taking place. But the kids still just sit there, nothing. In other words, nothing will make them happy. No matter what you're trying to do to befriend them, no matter how much you might change the game, they've decided to object and not participate no matter what you do before you even do it. So why are the grown adults of Jesus' day like these petulant children? Verse 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, well, he's got a demon. John's entire persona depicted the seriousness of sin and our need to repent. I mean, his man, you know, when he sat down to eat, he ate locusts. He ate honey. He wore a loincloth. And, and as, you know, they would invite him over, you're some new prophet. We're having a prophet's dinner. Why don't you come on into Jerusalem with us and come? See, there's no time for that. The kingdom of heaven is near. You got to repent. I don't have time for lavish dinners. And they looked at him and go, that guy's nuts. He's crazy. He's got a demon or something. What respectable prophet acts like this? Forgetting, of course, that I don't remember if it was Isaiah or Jeremiah who walked around in his underwear for like 300 days. Don't 
do that. Follow me as I follow Christ. So since these folks wouldn't respond to his prophet, God decided to reach, them, reach out to them in a different way through his son. Look at verse 34. The son of man, he has come eating and drinking. And you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, the idea here isn't that Jesus ate lots of food or he drank wine. I see people all the time say, Jesus drank wine? Look, it says it here. You realize that's not the point here. Point is, whereas John wouldn't accept their invitations to their dinners, he wouldn't participate in their frivolous, you know, events, Jesus did. They would invite Jesus over. We see Jesus at Pharisee's house numerous times in scriptures for these big dinners and stuff. You know, and of course, then, you know, usually a sinner would run in, and then the, you know, the Pharisee would go, oh, a sinner, you know? And then, you know, Jesus would have to rebuke him or share a teaching or whatever. But that was the idea, you know. They had these big, huge things, these huge, you know, celebrations of themselves. And Jesus went. He participated in their frivolous things in an attempt to reach them where they were, unlike John. And what did they say? Yeah, you can't put enough food on that guy's plate, man. He just eats and eats and eats. It's a glutton. He's a wine-bibber, man. You know, you, you give him a glass, man. Don't give him two because he'll, eat, he'll drink 19. Now, none of that's true, but that's what they were saying about Jesus. He doesn't take his calling as a teacher of God's word serious enough. And not only that, he doesn't just compromise his own behavior, but he rejoices in the wicked behavior of publicans and sinners too. Jesus never did any of that. Jesus never compromised on sin, whether it was with his own temptations or the behavior of others. So he never got drunk. Jesus never overate like I did with the lemon ice cream last night. But Jesus was nice to tax collectors and wicked people when they showed up at these parties. And when those wicked people chose to follow him, he accepted them. Now, every time we see one of those wicked people following him, what do we see? We see them repent. We see them turn over a new leaf. We see them walk with the Lord, right? Jesus was a friend to these folks, but Jesus never rejoiced in their wicked behavior because love doesn't rejoice in wicked behavior. Love rejoices in what is right and true, but love is also patient and it's always kind. You know, you and I can tell someone what they're doing is wrong and we can still be kind to them in all of our interactions, always. And like Jesus, we must go out of our way to show we care for those who live in defiance of the Lord's commands. That's how we'll make an impact. That's how Jesus made an impact. We're not going to make an impact by yelling at them or by attempting to run them over with our Jesus bumper sticker covered car as someone recently was on the news with a gay couple. Listen, I don't agree with what they're doing. What they're doing is wrong. But attempting to run them over and calling them nasty names is not going to bring them to Jesus. I can promise you that. If John and Jesus, they couldn't make the religious leaders happy even though they took different you know, ways to try to reach them, then what would make these guys happy? Well, it's simple. If John the Baptist, Jesus, and everybody else just followed them. But that shows how foolish they were. So Jesus closes out by saying, but wisdom is justified of all her children. Now, Jesus, he's personifying wisdom like Solomon did in the Proverbs, calling it a person, saying it has children. Wisdom is the capacity to apply truth to actual real life. I know lots of people who know lots of scripture, but they have no clue how to apply it to their lives. They have no wisdom. Those who live out the scripture correctly, they do this, wisdom's children, they prove that listening to wisdom has good benefits. So these guys, by their foolish decisions, are showing they don't, they're not wisdom's children. They're fool's children. 
See, these religious leaders might know a lot. They might be lawyers and Pharisees and whatever. They might even know lots of Scripture. But because of their pride in that knowledge, and they rested in just the pride of the knowledge, instead of examining how God wanted them to live it out, it caused them to make foolish decisions like critique John and critique Jesus. Now, when you and I are being stubborn toward the Lord, we're doing the same exact thing. We're being fools. Because here's the interesting thing. Even though John and Jesus reached out to people in different ways, they're both going for the same thing, right? Repentance, right? To affect change in people's lives, to bring those who are far away from the Lord close to the Lord, even though they did it in different ways. Their message was the same, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close, right? So here's the question as we close out this morning. Are you and I responding to how God is trying to reach us? Because God may be trying to reach you very different than he's trying to reach me. I have four kids, and the dad stare works different on all of them. You know the dad stare, right? You know, it works different on all of them. I had one and I would put the dad, use the dad stare and they would just start weeping. They would, I'm like, okay, dad stare, not good for them. I had another one that I would give him the dad stare and I would see a stare coming back at me. I had another one that gave me a blank stare. I had one that it just seemed to work just right. So I can't use the same method with every child. People talk to me about parenting and I'm like, well, I don't know. What's your child like? I mean, I've got principles from Scripture, but specifics? Some of them I didn't have to do much discipline with, and others, whoo. And the Lord, he's the same with us. You're his kid. You're not my kid. So he may deal with you a little differently. So the question is, are you responding to how he's dealing with you? Doubters and critics. You know, we see John's a doubter, and Jesus has a word for him. Pharisees are critics. He has a word for them. If you're either of those this morning, take heed to Jesus' words. If you're struggling like John was, you're doubting the Lord, you're going through a hard time, seems like Jesus isn't answering, then take Jesus' three steps. Keep walking. Don't isolate yourself. And you need to accept the race God set you on and determine to finish it well. The joy of the Lord, his joy at seeing you be faithful will make sure that you finish that, that race, that you break that tape. But maybe you're here today and maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've been stubborn like the religious leaders. You're critical you know, of everything in the church or the Bible or Jesus. Do you hide behind others' failures as justification for your behavior? They did that with John. Well, he's in jail. How many ways and how many times has God tried to reach out to you over the years? What would it take? What would God have to do for you to finally give in? If your only answer is, well, do what I want him to do. God needs to be like what I want him to be. Then you know where your problem lies. You've made yourself out to be God. And like the Pharisees, you're asking him to follow you. And it doesn't work that way. This morning is the time to leave your own desire to be the God of your life behind. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you come to him in faith, you leave that old life behind, he washes you clean, he forgives you, and he changes you. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Lord, we thank you for your word today because I imagine there are probably some folks out here this morning who are struggling with doubt, Lord. There There are things sometimes we run into and we just go, Lord, where are you? And sometimes, even as we continue to ask the question, you don't seem to answer. Lord, it doesn't mean you're not there, but man, it can be hard sometimes. For those, Lord, who are even now saying, Lord, I I don't want to be angry with you. I don't want to be frustrated with you anymore. I know that's wrong. You're God. I'm not, and I accept the race that you have for me. For those that are praying that right now, Lord, would would you fill them 
with an awareness of your joy that they're committing to, be, to being faithful even in the midst of hardship. Lord, will you help them to not isolate themselves, to keep going every step with you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you've been critical of the Lord, but today's the day you say, Lord, I want, I want to give him my life. I, I want to give the Lord my life. I don't want to be the God of my own life anymore. I want to follow Jesus. If that's the decision you're making or if you want to make that decision, I'd love to pray with you this morning. So if you would just lift your hand up high so I can see you because the Lord loves you. He doesn't want you to you know, be rebellious anymore. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a new life. And if you want that this morning or you're making that choice, just lift your hand high. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? You're making that commitment or you want to make that commitment this morning? Before we close and before we pray. Well, if that's your commitment this morning, would you just pray, pray along with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want to follow you. Will you please forgive me of all my sin? And will you make me your child? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God meets us in our doubts. We are never to act in our doubts, but we can take our questions and concerns to our loving Father, who will never turn us away. He draws out our faith as we wait on Him. When we feel far from God, we must rely on His Word to help us continue going on this journey. God is faithful and will always prove Himself faithful as we wait on Him. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.